we need to all use the creative ideas inside of us that were given to us to to share with others. And I think that's a huge part of innovation is just taking the risk to share those things with others and um, give that back to society, you know? Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software Gray Tech Group. You're invited to join our conversation to model the future of construction innovation and the digital transformation adventure of this great industry. My guest today is Cole Porter. He's president and owner of Porter Steel, a structural steel and miscellaneous metals subcontractor that works on construction projects across the Southeast. Being born and raised in Georgia, Cole is proud to work in and be involved in the community where he grew up. In addition to his work responsibilities, very involved in both industry associations as well as civic service organizations. Cole is the board of directors and public policy committee for both the Gwinnett Chamber and Associated Builders and Contractors of Georgia, and he's currently the 2023-2024 president of the Rotary Club of Duluth. Welcome to the show, Cole. Thanks. Appreciate you uh, having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's always fun to get a, a fellow born and raised Georgian on the the show as well. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. how'd you how'd you get into the construction industry to begin with? Well, I was born into it. <laughs> so, um, my my dad started our current my company uh, in nineteen eighty three. So, it's I've always called it my older brother. Um, so. It, uh, it's definitely always just been a thing in our family. And, um, you know, I, I guess obviously as long as I can remember since it was before I was born, but I think just seeing my dad as a business owner and entrepreneur and like the stresses and the rewards of that, um, you know, it's just always been something that has been in my, in my life, but I didn't always, you know, I never really thought like, oh, I'm going to do that or I'm going to be in construction. That wasn't really my, um, my dream, like from the beginning, but I think as I grew and became more mature and kind of reached adulthood and things, I saw the potential uh, that it could, um, the, the potential that it could be, I think, with just when it comes to leading people and the opportunities that that provides, because um, that does align with, align with my passions. So, um, yeah, it's funny how things all come together. Yeah. What about the construction industry in particular kind of uh, pulled you in? to create that alignment with kind of the, the leadership of people and yeah. the construction industry from how you grew up? Yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, you, I don't think you understand it when you're young, but I think as you start getting older and you start seeing and understanding the economy more and understanding different things that go into uh, just society as a whole, you, I think you start to appreciate construction a lot more um, uh, just with the, the fact that, you know, we were, I think we were created to build things and create things. And so, um, and so whether you're writing a paper or whether you're, um, structuring a company or building a building, you're building something. And so I think construction is just the most um, tangible part of that. Um, so I really love that part of the construction industry, but also it's, it's tied to every other portion of the economy. And so no portion of the economy really stands or can grow or, or can do badly without the construction industry being involved as well. And so, um, that's really fascinating to me and it ties to everything. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. Construction is such a, an unsung hero out yeah. there because yeah. without yes. construction in all its forms and facets, you have no society. Yeah. Right. It's Absolutely. everything crumbles. 
and usually if you think back to like past civilizations and and uh and history and archaeology most of what we appreciate and know about those past civilizations are construction related you know it's like what they built you know what yeah. stayed around how did they build it um what did they use to build it yeah, it's uh, your lasting legacy it? yeah it's so i mean it's very fascinating uh just to see and then i think when you when you have that background and you see a movie or something like maybe something that's futuristic and and it shows you know new york city overgrown with whatever you my first instinct is always to say i wonder how that was built you know or, <laughs> that's a long lasting structure you know so um yeah it's it's just very very fascinating yeah well, well let's bring in the the values part of it i know that's a uh, a big priority for you. Uh, how do the the core values of Porter Steel really help influence your your daily operations and then your your long term vision as well for the company? Yeah, so you know, I think we I think every organization has values, whether you like it or not. Um, but we had not done a good job of really calling those out and 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 promoting them and pushing them. Um, so I would say about five years we started on a journey with me and my team trying to really encapsulate what are our core values and what do we want to be known for and what do we want to tell people and, and, and stand by, you know? Mm. Um, and so, you know, that's when we really did some work and we went through a few iterations of it, but essentially um, we wanted it to be meaningful. We wanted to be something that we could stand behind. Um, our motto that we embraced was powered by principle. And so like we want to make our decisions based on principles. Um, and so, but we wanted to have for them to be memorable enough to where we could promote them to all the employees that could be that they could remember them and they could understand them when we're asking them to, to hold to them you know so mm. um so we can't we have four core values um the uh the first one's own it and so just take ownership of everything that you're doing um make sure that you understand that every part of your job affects everyone else in the company we can't do it without you so you got to own that part what you're accountable for um, this, the second one is integrity. So obviously we want to be people of our word and we want to um, do what we say and stand, stand beside what we say. Um, but also we want to protect our reputation as well as the reputation of our coworkers, our customers, our community. Um, the third is partnership. And that really comes from a place in the construction industry of we don't want to be transactional. We want to be relational. And so we want to, um, we don't want to approach things on how, what can I get out of you? We want it to be, Hey, I have a, I have a relationship with you. Therefore we will work together um, for our mutual benefit. Uh, and that's the same internally, externally community customers. And then the last one, which is my favorite one probably is fail forward. And that just means that like we're growing, we're doing innovative things. We're trying new things and we know we're going to make mistakes. And so um, there's freedom to make those mistakes but we just ask that you learn from them uh, and get better. Um, so when, when you fail, fail forward. Um, and so we try to promote those in our daily speech with our employees. We cover them at every company meeting. Um, we tell our customers that that's what they should hold us to. And we also hold our customers to those too. So like we want good partners and we, ex and we think it's okay that we expect people that work for us or work with us to also hold to those same values. We want to share values with people we work with and it's okay if you're different, but it just might not be a good fit. Mm. Yeah. I, I love the intentionality behind that, uh, uh, you know, really being thoughtful of this is what not only 
we want to hold ourselves, but also to the kind of the, the partners and the our larger ecosystem around us. I think that's great. How do you ensure that the the key values are not just kind of words up on a, a wall and and sound good, but really get integrated into the ethos of of the company and everybody kind of gets bought into this is what the the culture is and you know if you agree with it, keep fully bought in, and if you don't agree with it, maybe this isn't the the right place for you. Right. Yes. So that's a challenge. I think I, um, I think our, our greatest weapon in that fight is probably, it comes from the top down. So I have to, I have to believe those values and live them out, mm-hmm. uh, in, in our work. And, and we talk about them as much as possible. And we, even like in our decision-making, we intentionally say, I'm making this decision because it aligns with this core value, you know, so that people can kind of see like, he's not just making, he's not just doing that, but he's doing that because he believes in integrity or because he believes in partnership. Right. And so we just, just over communicating that I think helps a lot. Also we're, we're very mission oriented. So our mission is to change lives and to lead by example. And so um, we try to tie that in as well. Like you're not just, you're not just welding a beam. You're not just cutting a, um, you know, a channel. You're not just preparing a bid. Like you are hopefully changing lives and leading by example in a, in a small way or a big way, you know? Um, and the mission has nothing to do with steel. It's just that we are using steel to accomplish that. Um, and I think that obviously the, the employees and our partners have to believe us when we say that's our mission and those are our values. Uh, and that takes time. You know, you have to prove that you can't just, uh, it's, it can't just be words. It can't just be words on a wall. And, um, and so that is like one of my barometers is like, do these people believe that, that this is real? Um, yeah. we also hire and fire and reward based on those core values. So all of our, um, all of our reviews have those involved, like, how are you aligning with our core values? And that really, those are really the four things that make you a right person for the company. Um, and we just hammer it home as much as possible, but it does take time. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine I, I want to pull on a, a thread that you, you mentioned earlier of being not being transactional, but being relational. How does that kind of play out in, in living out your, your core values and getting people bought into what you're, you're trying to, to build on a, a culture perspective? Yeah, I think in the construction industry in, in particular, because of the nature of the industry, uh, we are, uh, very, it can be very transactional because of like bidding and low mm-hmm. bids and the different regulations involved, um, in different, um, like if you do anything public or with public money and stuff. So, um, I think that that environment, um, breeds a bit of transactional, re- transactional business, um, sure. not so much relationship. And so it is a bit different, um, that we, are saying that maybe uh, I, th- I think others focus on partnerships. So I'm not saying that that's like innovative, but, um, but I think one of the biggest impacts we can make when I go into a project manager and he's having a problem with a job that he's working on or with a, with one of our customers that's maybe treating him unfairly or treating us unfairly is when I go and I stand up for my project manager, because that's our value, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, and I tell him, well, Hey, guess what? This customer is clearly not, a good partner. They're not being a good partner to us. They're, they're seen as a transaction. They found somewhere in a contract where they, they can get us, you know, and that's fine. Shame on us, you know, for, um, for that. But, um, but we're going to be relational and we're going to be good partners. And so 
we have no problem firing a customer if they don't align with their values. And so when I do that in front of one of my project managers and I'm willing to take, you know, a stand for them because of our values, like I think that just goes a really long way in saying like, wow, like we really do believe this is not just about money. Like this is mm -hmm. about like doing what we say, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that's just one example, but it, I mean, obviously we can point to a lot of different ones. Yeah, no, that's a good one. Let's kind of double click on that. So many people say, you know, the, the people over profits, but can you kind of yes. elaborate on this philosophy? How's it, how's it actually the, the pathway to creating profits? And then how do you maintain, uh, the, the balance between kind of the, the business growth on the one side and then ensuring the, the well being of your staff to, to really have a good work-life balance. Right. Well, that is a good one. Uh, I think about that often because I think that um, it's kind of the what I most liken it to is um, like being a generous giver. Um, I think when you when you have a generous heart, I think that you know I'm a I'm a guy that believes in God and believes that he is uh, he blessings are from him, and so I think when you have a generous heart and you're a good steward of things, I think that you get you have more to be a good steward over. And so I think that's kind of like how the, how I see, um, I think if we do the right thing and we focus on providing a great environment for people to work, uh, creating a great service to our community, creating a great product that will, um, that will be remembered for what it is for a long time. Then I think the profits, profits have to come, you know, um, because I mean, obviously there's work and there's execution and there's all the, the processes and things too. But, um, but I think if you, if you make money at the expense of people, well, eventually the people run out, you know, and, uh, yeah. and then the money runs out. So I, I think that it's really, really important that I think it is a cycle. And so I think you, you plant seeds with people and it might not pay off right then. It might cost you in the beginning. Um, but it's a lot more fun and it's a lot easier to sleep. And it's, uh, and I think it pays off in the long run. I think, it, I think it's already paying off for us in a short time, but, um, that's just kind of like my philosophy on it. So, yeah, I more than agree. And amen to, <laughs> to that. Yeah. I think when you, when you are looking and you're, you're taking care of the, the people that are, are working with you and making it an enjoyable and a fun space, the mechanics and the kind of the day-to-day -day execution and the operation, those generally take care of themselves and Yes, you have to have processes and, you know, checks and balances and accountability there. But if, if people are enjoying and, and happy with what they're doing and who they're doing it with, they're going to take pride in their work and, and want to raise the standard all on their own. Yeah. And I'll say one other thing about that. Like, um, so when we set our, our quarterly goals, you know, obviously that, that has involves revenue and it involves profit, like trying to set those, those measurables. Um, and we've had a really good year, like had a really great blessed year where we are just, things are coming together and it's going really well. And a result of, we have a family foundation. And so a result of that is that we've been able to give a lot. And so that's been really cool. And like to give to a nonprofit and see like what they're doing. And that's just really, that makes us happy. And mm -hmm. so we're in a leadership meeting and, and my executive vice president, he's like my right hand guy. And he says, what if we set our goals on instead of our revenue and our profit, like how much we could give at the end of each quarter. Like that was our goal, mm. you know, because, because we know we have to make profit for us to give, but right. you know, but like, that's really what we're enjoying the most. Like, you know, like, and of course I want the employees to be taken care of. I want everyone to make a lot of money and to be 
really taken care of and have great retirements and all those things. But uh, I think framing it around like our focus is not just profit. Like we want, of course, we were capitalists and we, we believe profit's essential. Um, but our focus really is on making impact in the lives of everyone in, in the company, but also in the community. So, yeah. I love that. It's building the, the sense of purpose too, of, of yeah. getting people inspired. You said, uh, I forget the exact wording of it, but it's, it's just not, uh, Porter steel is not necessarily about the, the steel aspect of it, but it's, it's about the, the people that are, are there. And I, I think what you're doing there of putting the, the goal on, Hey, how much can we give? And then all the, the rest kind of, we work backwards from there. Uh, the, yeah. the, the profits take care of itself. I, I think that's a, it's a really cool, unique perspective too. Uh, yeah. What's the, have, have you had pushback on why are we focusing on this when we are, our business is based over here? Uh, you know, I think there's, I don't know if it's been pushback, but I think there's been like a little bit of confusion. Um, of like um, tr trying to get, I think, well, I think what it really comes from is that when you first tell somebody, hey, you're changing lives by grinding that rail, okay? <laughs> like, that's a hard pill to swallow. Um, and so I think it takes some, oh, they're basically, the first instinct is this guy is just blowing smoke and, <laughs> you know, is just trying to say something frou-frou that sounds nice, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think that's been the big thing, the, the, the initial resistance or pushback is like, okay, and it's usually from the guys that are farthest away from like the management decisions and things. Mm. Um, but once we, I think once we talk about it enough and once we show through our actions that we, that we believe what we're saying, um, when we have a quarterly lunch and we're like, Hey guys, we were able to give to like this women's clinic and to this food pantry and the, you know, the, the rails that you grinded on, um, you know, they were able to uh, be installed at this, you know, office building where 10,000 people are going to be employed and they're going to pass by that every, like when you start telling those stories and making the connections uh, of, of what has passed through the shop and what is now, how it's going to be used for forever or for a long time. Um, I think that's where the impact is. It's like, huh? Like I actually did like some old lady is going to walk by my little, my grind mark every, every day. And it's going to help her get to the next floor. Now that sounds very simple and, and not very like impactful, but if you think about, you know, that lady's life, like, and what she's doing, like it, it makes an impact. So, mm. yeah. yeah, I love it. One of my big uh, soapbox topics is construction as a whole needs to do a better job of telling the the stories and the, the human impact mm. stories. And yes. that's exactly what you're doing there to, to make the connection real that, you know, what we said at the beginning, that construction without con the construction industry, civilization falls apart. And it's, it's, it's not just you're, you're building a, a cool building for the sake of building a cool building. It's think of the, the community impact that it has, that if that building wasn't there, what yes. would happen and what, you know, potentially the kind of the devastation that would happen in that community without this one building and the ripple effect that that has. Uh, so telling the human stories is, is crucial for sure. And yeah, and not only that, but like every story that we tell on a day-to-day -day basis and every historical story that we think is important like you can, you could basically tell it through the eyes of construction um, because everything, everything we do involves construction, like everything that we interact with, every yeah. store we go to, every institution we're a part of, um, there's that story, you know? So I totally agree. Uh, I think that's, 
another topic with, um, you know, telling a better story for our young people to get involved in construction, like with the trades and technical college. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, and making that real to them. So, yeah. Yeah. It's making construction cool again and, and bringing it, yeah. taking the, the stigmatism of going into construction away. Cause it's, it's a stupid oh, yeah. perception, misperception of, of what the industry yeah. is that people don't look at construction as having, you know, being the, the land of opportunity and having a, a very robust career path opportunity, mm-hmm. you know, and very kind of entrepreneurial mindset. Um, uh, I know that, that a lot of times when I, I tell people that I, I have a podcast about construction innovation and all, like all the cool things that are happening in the industry, I get a little bit of a, a glass over look of like, okay, how much is there to construction? You're like, oh, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot you don't know about. Uh, so for kind of other leaders in, in the construction industry, what would be kind of your advice to them about balancing the, the growth values and community involvement? Um, well, I think that the community involvement, um, I think it's really important that we, that we both contribute, which I believe that, you know, any business is contributing and, you know, you got tax dollars obviously, but so you're contributing in that way. But I think that there's a lack of, um, of leadership a lot of times from businesses that could be leading, um, and I think that, so I think community involvement is just really important. I think it's important for your business like as a whole to grow, but I think also it's really important that the community knows who you are and that you're there and that you care about. I think there's a misperception um, that a lot of businesses are just run by these extraordinarily wealthy people and all they care about is money and they just want to make money and they don't care about their people and da, 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 da. Um, and so, which I, which I believe is, completely untrue, um, in 99% of cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's really important that, that we as businesses are, we are cornerstones and we are, um, just always present in the community. Uh, so I think we do that through being involved in our chamber, being involved, um, with, you know, sponsoring sports and, and supporting organizations that are around us, like all those things. Uh, I just think it's really, really critical for, not just the business as a whole, but also just society as a whole, mm-hmm. um, as especially as generations grow up and, and get a perception of what business is and what owning a business is and entrepreneurship and all those things. So um, I think for me, as far as like, we're very growth oriented. And so um, everything we do is, is based on maximizing potential. Like I just don't want to reach a point where I said, man, I wish we would have done that. We had potential to do something. We just didn't go for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really want us to, for, for our particular business to just reach those goals. Um, and so, you know, but never at the expense of our values. So like really values is, is first, um, we can't grow. We can't support the community. We can't do anything if it contradicts our value, right. Our values. Right. So, you know, obviously that's kind of the filter that we look through everything. Um, but if you're not growing, you're dying. So I believe that, and, uh, and I think we've got to give back and that's the community involvement part. And I think that's good for the community, but I think it's also good for the business, just like treating your employees right, you know? Hey, innovators, do you want to help inspire the next generation of architects, engineers, and builders? 
Applied Software Great Tech Group does too. In fact, they have launched a scholarship contest and need your help spreading the word. If you know any students or teachers who could benefit from the contest, tell them to visit asti.com slash AEC scholarship for more information. Applied Great Tech is giving away over $1,000 to help students pursue their dreams. And we need your help to make it happen. So what are you waiting for? Let's make a difference together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So kind of pivoting a, a bit, you know, transitioning leadership between the, the generations can be a, a big challenge for, for any business. How has Porter Steel managed the kind of generational leadership transition? Well, that's a, that's a good one. I haven't quite figured that out yet. Um, <laughs> I'll just talk. You might have to edit this one down. Uh, but yeah, so my dad, you know, like I said, he, he started the company, company in 83. And, um, you know, very different generation. Uh, I think that, you know, the employee-employer relationship was different in the 80s and 90s than it is today. Like the, the working class generation is different. There's just all sorts of things that are that you have to kind of mold and adapt to. And I think sure. me being like a stereotypical uh, or, you know, prototypical uh, millennial is very different than him being, I guess, a maybe a boomer. I don't know. Um, and so just trying to figure out what, um, how we operate differently, how we see things very differently. Um, so for us, it, it worked okay. I think it worked pretty well that when he retired, I had worked in the business several times. So it was good for me to see, you know, how we operated, what my opinions of things were, things I might want to change, um, things that I thought were really good that we would keep the same. Um, and then when he retired, I came back to the business to work full time. And I, so I had gotten experience in other places as well and had that same perception of those places and seeing like what I liked, what I, what I thought was different, but always having a very entrepreneurial, um, desire and always having an entrepreneurial ambition. Um, so that was very much the lens that I looked through everything. And so, um, I think well, if I had to give advice, it would be that anyone from, from different generations have to look at the other person and um, understand that there is a difference there. There's a difference of experience and, um, and that's okay. It's kind of like on some political issues, it's like you can look at somebody and just say like, hey, it's okay that we disagree. We don't have to hate each other. You know, we could, we could just agree to disagree on this. Um, but I think that the biggest thing for me was trying to implement the core values and the, uh, and the mission and holding people to it, not just being a plaque on the wall. Mm -hmm. And like I said, my dad, you know, he had values and he had mission, you know, but it wasn't something that everyone could rally around because it just wasn't put out there. It was just do what I do, what I say. And, and this is what we do, you know? Um, and so it's just a different, different generation, but also just a different mindset as far as how we want to do business and not to say it's better, but it's just, it's what, it's what I envisioned, you know? So it's, it's what I, I, I need that for me to feel like I'm being successful. I need to do it this way, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't really know if I'm answering the question, but you know, 
that's yeah, kind of what I got. Absolutely. I think it's a pretty, uh, uh, I can't think of the, the right word that I, I want, but insightful on your uh, take the time to kind of understand the other person's perspective and the, mm -hmm. the differences there. And it's, it's funny because it, it seems almost kind of radical now that you could sit down and talk with somebody that you disagree with on, on certain things and, mm -hmm. and have a, a reasoned, rational conversation and not get heated. Uh, it's a maybe a sad indictment on <laughs> where we are, right. uh, that that is like, oh, wow, that's a thought provoking thing. You know, you could sit down and, and have a conversation, but that's the, the key to anything. I, hosting uh, the, the podcast is, is one of my favorite things because I, I get to hear all these different perspectives and what I find interesting in the construction industry more broadly is, you know, you have all these kind of turf wars and rivalries between the architects and the GCs and the subs and <laughs> the engineers and, you know, nobody really likes each other, but you have to, you're forced to work with each other. But if you, you took the time on the front side to kind of sit down at the table and, and hash out what your motivations are and what you're trying to get out of the project, most people are, are pretty similar on the same page. You might be using it oh, yeah. differently and you, the, the terminology that you're using is, is different and that can lead to some misunderstandings, but everybody's on the same team and pulling in the same direction. We just kind of assume, uh, you know, bad motives maybe, uh, on yeah. different people. And if we, we open up that conversation, more people than you realize are, are willing to have, uh, an honest, frank, easy conversation right even if yeah we're all the same team yeah we're all uh doing the you know we have the same goal is to have a successful project and i want my the partners that are working on it to be successful because they need to be around to continue to be a good partner if they're not successful then they won't be around very long so um i think that's key is just like looking at you know we have to look at the people involved as an essential part of what we're doing and not my enemy, even though mm -hmm. it can feel like that sometimes. So I think, you know, it's, it's all about the perspective and the attitude and like frame mm -hmm. of mind. So. Yeah. Yeah. Back to the relational and so yeah. the transactional <laughs> from earlier. So how have you uh, tried to kind of merge the, uh, maybe the, the more uh, traditional perspective of, of work with kind of the, the newer innovative ideas of, of, newer generations coming into the, the workforce? Um, well, we've, from the very get go, we've been very, we've been very patient because we knew it, it's not a quick process. It's not a, um, something where you just snap your fingers and one day it's different. Um, mm -hmm. So we've, we really had to come into it before we did anything with a lot of patience and just intentionality on knowing that this is going to be a process. This is going to take some time. But if we do it the way that we're planning to do it, we believe that it will be successful in the end. And so we've given people, especially people that are very resistant to change and maybe are from, you know, have been doing this a long time or, um, you know, we want to give them a lot of space and a lot of opportunity to come on board, you know? Mm -hmm. And so the analogy we've kind of used is like, hey, a new train has pulled up to the station and it's going to sit here in this station for a while. And so you're going to have a long time to get on the train. And I'm going to let you know, I'm going to ring some bells before that train leaves and you're going to have lots of notice. But at some point, the train's going to leave the station, you know. Mm -hmm. And so my ask is, if I want you to get on the train. If you don't want to get on the train, you don't have to get on the train. And that's nothing personal. But the train might leave without you. So, you know, um, that's kind of been our like analogy we've used. And 
Um, and thankfully, most people, almost all the people have been very willing to get on the train when they were ready to, you know, like they might've tiptoed on, like stuck one foot on and come on and off. But, um, but that's really been something that we've had to be, cause I'm a go, go, go next, like next thing kind of person. And so, yeah. and several of us in, in the leadership are like that. And so, but I think it's been a really good exercise in, in stretching ourselves, being more patient, waiting a little bit. Um, I think that's been really key. I think the other thing is having being able to have hard conversations with people, uh, because I think if you have that harder conversation sooner rather than later, it it can change their trajectory instead of the hard conversation being the last conversation of like, OK, this isn't going to work out anymore, you know. Mm. Um, and so that's been I think what was really good is that I was in leadership here for a while before I could make a lot of changes. So I was having to make have hard conversations but usually the hard conversations were towards the end of like, Hey, this is it, you know? And so that's, that was good practice for being able to kind of implement embracing the conflict. And, and once you do that enough, I think people know that like, Hey, wait a second, conflict with coal is not bad. It's just, it's good because we're trying to improve. There's friction because we need to improve. We need to fail forward. Mm. Um, and that it's a good thing. We're, we're growing, you know? So well, and you're showing yeah, that you actually care enough to have the hard oh, yeah. conversation. Yeah. yeah. And that's really what drives you to do the, the, the hard conversation is that you do care, you know? Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. I think people that are, if you always are avoiding the hard conversation, the employee picks up on that and like, oh, well, they don't care enough about my growth and my personal development to, mm -hmm. you know, really kind of push me in. Uh, yeah. I think it's it's important to have kind of high standards and then walk alongside the right. employee to be like, I'm going to be right here with you to help you in this journey, in this process. But I mean, you have to do the, the hard work on your, yourself yeah. too, but I'm here. I mean, I'm, I'm a, a support in this process. Yeah. And what's really cool is to see people that have been maybe kind of um, kind of static for a really long time. And then you kind of go through those steps and you, and, you're, and no one would have thought they could have grown because mm -hmm. they just hadn't and so on. But then all of a sudden you see growth and you're like, wow, like no one thought that was going to happen, but it did. You know, that's mm -hmm. really cool. You've you've reached a new level of potential because someone cared enough to, to have a tough conversation or to challenge you or to say like this isn't good enough, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's really rewarding and, and, you know, kind of amazing to, to sit and, and see that. So, yeah, that's awesome. Good. So let's uh, let's ring the the train bell there where do you see porter steel yeah. kind of going in the the next decade and, and really uh, kind of part b on that where, where do you see the industry at large uh going over the the next decade oh man uh well for porter steel so we historically all of our growth from 1983 to about 2021 was all in north georgia in the atlanta metro basically with very few exceptions and favors where we would leave that area um, to go do something for a customer or something like that. And so um, one thing that we have aspired to and is very much a part of our goals is we want to be the leading provider of miscellaneous metals in the Southeast. And, you know, we're very unique in the fact that we do turnkey steel. So we do structural steel and miscellaneous metals and we fabricate and we erect. Um, we don't do really large erection. So like, um, you know, four stories and under that's, that's our specialty on the buildings. Mm -hmm. Um, so in that space, our customer is the general contractor. 
but we also provide miscellaneous metals to larger structural fabricators who do not do miscellaneous metals. And so on really large, massive projects, stadiums and uh, massive um, new facilities that they're building on these big economic development projects you hear, those are structural steel companies going up and doing really large jobs. And then we come in and we do all the rails and stairs and mezzanines in that. Um, and so that is like our business is shifting to where we never used to work for any other fabricator to where we're, we're doing a lot of work for other fabricators mm-hmm. um, because there's a need in that space for, for good partnership. Um, and so those are our two, two, two market segments. And we're also working in the Southeast now. So, um, you know, we're working on increasing capacity because we are limited in, in some of our um, location and, and things like that. But um, over the next really six ish years, we plan to be in all of the surrounding states. We already are to, um, in small degree, but um, you know, we're very excited about some of the partnerships that we have. We have some really good customers um, that are doing really great work, both on the general contractor side as well as the fabrication side. Over the next, you know, seven to ten years, I really think that we have that opportunity to be uh, known in every state in the southeast and maybe up even on the eastern seaboard um, with the amount of work that we're doing and the partners that we have. Um, I think that, you know, the big motivation for that is that we believe that our mission and our values are really important and that they can, that they can be a good example. Um, and so, you know, whether that's another business seeing what we're doing and embracing that, or whether it's, um, government and legislators saying like, Hey, they're important people to talk to. We want us being able to influence that. Um, whether it's just our community being impacted by successful business, giving back, like we want to change lives and lead by example. And so we're hoping that, that we are able to lead by example by just broadening our reach. Mm. Um, And one other thing is that I think is really important to what we're doing is we've, we've always given um, to some degree in our local community, but we, we started doing a new program where, um, you know, we go into all these places and do projects and to make money and then we leave. And so we kind of felt convicted that we needed to be a better steward of that. And so um, now we give a, a donation to a nonprofit in every community where we actually do a project. So mm-hmm. we're just leaving that a little bit better. Um, and we're not making a huge impact with that. But if everyone did that, um, we believe that that would make such an impact um, in communities across the country, really. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's really that's a passion of ours that we want to you know let people know about and invite them to partner with us on. Yeah. So that's awesome. I love that. How do people find out more information on, on what you guys are doing at Porter Steel and connect with you? Yeah, so you can go to our website uh, at portersteel.com. Uh, you can also find us on um, you know Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Porter Steel Inc. And uh, we, we try to stay pretty up to date on all the social media just to let people know what we're doing and, and how you can partner with us. Yeah. I love that. That is uh, not as as common as you may think. Uh, Social media awareness needs to go up for sure in in construction. (laughs) Uh, So one of our kind of core tenets of of the show is is around innovation. What does innovation mean to you? Oh, man, I think I really think that innovation is leadership. Um, I think that like 
like good leadership, innovation takes risk because it's not something that already exists. It takes courage um, to do something different. I think that a, you can be successful maintaining the status quo because it's been proven that you can do it. Um, but I think that innovation not only can benefit yourself, you know, but I think that it's something that it's a gift as well. You're giving, you're creating a new status quo. So mm -hmm. um, I think that whether you are creating a new piece of technology, which is something I haven't talked about today, or whether it's, you know, being a, a company that traditionally would not focus on values and mission and, and those kind of things like, or giving, like those are, you know, we need to all use the creative ideas inside of us that were given to us to, to share with others. And I think that's a huge part of innovation is just taking the risk to share those things with others and um, give that back to society, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in, in my mind, innovation can take many different forms from technology. Obviously that's where most of our, our brains go, but some of the most innovative things is really around the, the culture and the, leadership side or, or uh, I love the, the being willing to take a risk, mm -hmm. whatever venue, whatever form that that looks like. That's the the seed of, of innovation there for sure. Yeah. Uh, so final question for you, if I could give you all construction power, and you could snap your fingers and innovate one thing, what would you pick to innovate? Oh, goodness. What would I pick to innovate in all of construction? I probably would, um, mm. you know, I have a lot of frustration with government um, when it comes to construction. Join the club, um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think that, I don't think government does a good job at anything. So I think that um, sometimes they create regulations that are intended to have a result that create a different one. So, um, you know, like when the, when, when government says like, you know, not to exceed, uh, bids or we won't accept change orders on, on this project or those kinds of things, like there should be something where, um, where there could be professionals run construction for the government, you know? Uh, and I know we try, and I think Georgia does a, a better job than a lot of states, but, um, but I think being a taxpayer and knowing a lot of taxpayers and also being on the construction side of it, I think that we could do a better job and also not picking the most expensive design for my tax funded project. That would be something good too. So yeah, I'll stick with that. That's a good one. That's a, that would be a really big snap yeah. <laughs> for sure. Well, Cole, thanks so much for taking the time and joining the show today. This was great. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. And now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. First take, prioritizing genuine relationships over simple transactions is fundamental. By generously investing our time, talents, and resources in those around us, whether they are employees or partners, the outcomes often surprise our expectations in terms of profits and performance. This relational approach nurtures an unparalleled sense of pride and ownership among everyone involved. Second take. For values to truly resonate within an organization, they need to be more than just words. 
They need to be a lived experience. Regular and meaningful communication of these values is key, especially when it is accompanied by stories that showcase their tangible impact. Cole's approach at Porter Steel exemplifies this perfectly. He highlights the positive community effects of their projects, which not only reinforces their values, but also instills a profound sense of purpose among all team members. And final take, innovation isn't just about new ideas. It's about courage and perspective. As Cole aptly pointed out, one of the most rewarding risks we can take in the pursuit of innovation is investing time to understand and appreciate diverse perspectives. This act of empathy of walking a mile in someone else's shoes can lead to broader insights and deeper or meaningful connections. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software Great Tech Group at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining the conversation to model the future on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is hosted, directed, and produced by Todd Wyant, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an Applied Software Great Tech Group production. Copyright Applied Software Great Tech Group 2023.